Are you confused and even troubled by some of the things you hear from popular Christian authors and podcasters? Are you excited to learn more about how you can recognize and challenge some of the lies that are being taught even in Christian churches? Well, then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and find it encouraging, would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a monthly or even a one-time donation? Whether it's a dollar a month or $20 a month, your support helps to sustain this podcast and keep it on the air. If you feel led to partner with us, please just go to gingerhubbard.com support to donate any amount. And thank you listeners so much for your support, which enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. If you're a homeschooling mom like me, then you know the excitement of peeling that protective film off a set of curricula complete with brand new lesson plans. But as we all know, a week or so into those plans, life happens. Someone gets sick. Someone leaves their spelling book at the soccer field. Someone gets stuck on a math concept. And suddenly, those lesson plans are completely obsolete. This is one of the many reasons I'm excited to introduce you to the BJU Press Homeschool Hub. When life inevitably happens and our plans change, the Hub calendar makes any necessary assignment adjustments with just a few clicks of a mouse. But that's not all it can do. I can look at the Hub dashboard and quickly see how my kids have progressed through their courses, what assignments they need to finish, and how many lessons they have before each course is completed. There's also a grade book that will track graded assignments and create report cards. My favorite part is that I can keep track of our wonderful BJU press courses as well as any other outside resources. So I have one tool that keeps track of everything. It's almost like they asked a bunch of homeschoolers, hey, what's the most stressful part of homeschooling? And then they developed an awesome tool to alleviate those issues. Next, I hope they'll get to work on the housekeeping hub. To find out more about BJU Press Homeschool Hub, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com and watch the video to learn more. Again, that's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Listeners, we're going to pick right back up on our conversation with Elisa Childers about the five lies Christian moms believe. If you missed part one, you'll want to go back to last week's episode and listen to that. Elisa covered three of her five lies. Lie number one is you are enough. Lie number two is you are the boss of you. And lie number three is you shouldn't judge. Today, we're going to jump right back into our conversation with Elisa Childers. All right, Elisa, well, lie number four is one that I find really interesting because I was a blogger for a while, like most women of a certain age. And <laughs> my my whole brand, if you can call it that, was this messy motherhood shtick. Um, actually, it wasn't a shtick. It was really how I am. But the constant internal battle I faced is whether or not I was practicing this sort of worldly authenticity mm. that winks at my sin. So tell us about this lie. Authenticity is everything. How is that damaging the Christian church as a whole? And then we'll talk about how it's damaging mothers more specifically in just a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this one's sticky, right? Because there's so much tied in. There's a lot of truth tied up in this particular lie. But as we know, the best lies contain the most truth, right? If it's going to you, hmm. lead you to a deceptive end, it doesn't matter how much truth is in it. But I do want to acknowledge 
some truth in this because as Christians, I think one of the reasons we see people sort of losing interest in church is because they don't see authentic faith in church. Um, I have a friend who grew up whose parents would be cussing each other out in the car on the way to church, screaming at each other, and then they step out of the car and they're like, well, good old Sunday morning, Brother Bob. You know, like everything's perfect. We don't want that, right? We want, oh my gosh, we need more authenticity, real authenticity when it comes to confessing our sins to each other, walking life together and not pretending we're something we're not. I'm not saying that that should change. Uh, Actually, I mean, I'm saying we should do more of that, actually. We should change for the Mm -hmm. better in that area. We need to be able to be honest about our sin struggles with our sisters in Christ and say, man, I'm really struggling with this. Will you pray with me? Will you help me? But, and there's always a big but, (laughs) the way (laughs) the world frames the authenticity conversation is very different from that. And you sort of hinted at this. It's almost become a way to embrace our sin as an identity by winking at our sin, by saying, this is just who I am and I'm going to live this way. And so I think for Christians, in order to keep this conversation framed around Christ and to keep our eyes right in the bullseye of where God wants us to be and be thinking about this, is that we always want Christ to be the object that we're moving toward, not ourselves. Again, it's like if we make ourselves the the center point of all of that, then it's going to be a very self-serving authenticity. We're going to embrace identities that aren't our real identity. We're going to embrace behaviors that we shouldn't be embracing or laughing about or winking at in the name of authenticity. But if we keep our eyes on Christ as that center point, then what we will always be doing is is being conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. And this is the process of sanctification, right? Mm -hmm. This is something, this is a journey we'll be on until we're with Jesus face to face, where we become more and more like him every single day. And sometimes that means actually denying things about yourself that are sinful, It means rejecting things about your natural proclivities or your orientations that might be out of alignment with Scripture or out of alignment with the Word of God. Jesus said it this way. He said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. And I think from from this side of the cross, we look back when Jesus says, pick up your cross, and we think of the cross as this symbol of victory, right? It's this triumphant thing. We wear gold crosses around our necks, and they're glittery and beautiful, and I have one too. There's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing a cross, <laughs> but for us, it's the symbol of victory, but we have to put ourselves in that first century context. The cross was not only the most ex- excruciating way to die, <clears throat> but it was also the most shameful way to die. There was a, a heavy emphasis on the shame of being crucified. They didn't even crucify Roman citizens. That was the type of death that was reserved for slaves and for enemies of the state, for traitors. This was the worst of the worst that would get the death sentence of crucifixion. This is why Paul, as a Roman citizen, was beheaded, not crucified like Peter, who was not a Roman citizen. So this, this is something we have to wrap our heads around. When Jesus is saying, pick up your cross, it doesn't just have to do 
do with denying our sin, but it's also a willingness to be considered shameful and foolish in the eyes of the world. That that was tied up in the cross as well. And so sometimes that means, like I said, denying things that we want to adopt as our identity, but we know biblically are not—we we know who we are because of who we are in Christ. And those things that are not in alignment with that as we are sanctified are going to be falling off of us, and we should celebrate that, not try to hang on to those things in the name of authenticity. I had this, I had this instinctive cringe uh, the first time I saw a T-shirt that said, "I love Jesus, but I cuss a little." Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was yep. confronted. I was confused. I guess why anyone would want to advertise that. <laughs> uh, that's not something mm-hmm. I'd be especially proud to advertise. Um, and just yesterday, I saw on Amazon there is one that crosses out the words "a little" and says "a lot." Mm. Um, but here's the product that just really got me. It's the "I love Jesus, but I cuss a little" daily guided prayer journal with scripture verses and prompts. Mm. Oh, no. Stop. Yeah, so y'all, I'm almost tempted to buy it just to see what Are verses they actually me? put in there. I'm not kidding at all. This is on Amazon. Alyssa, um, that's your next, your next book review. <laughs> oh, man, send that my way. Oh, my well, gosh. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Ephesians 5, 4 isn't one of the verses in that book, which is let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which is out of place, but instead let there yeah. be thanksgiving. So that's yeah. just a guess. By the way, listeners, we will not be putting a link to those items in our show notes. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> Let's talk about this life from the perspective of Christian moms, because I think this is one of the ways we are most likely to be sucked into the progressive Christianity movement. Mm -hmm. Um, There are these highly influential writers and bloggers and Instagrammers who are so relatable and so funny and who we can really grow to care about as a person. And listeners, our goal here, please understand today, is not to single out any of these progressive Christians. Uh, If you guys want to hear a loving take on that, uh, please head over to Alisa's podcast for that content. Katie and I have just been so blessed by Alyssa's humility and how she very matter-of-factly holds up the truth of God's Word. But Alyssa, could you share your thoughts on how we can be real in our mm. challenges as mothers without allowing ourselves to participate in a sinful mm. form of authenticity? Yeah, because I got a lot to say on this one. Um, Leading up to it, though, I'd like to go back to the I love Jesus and cuss a little because it might benefit Mm -hmm. your listeners to know where that all came from if they're not familiar. Um, So this actually started on the Ellen show. A, A little old sweet lady called into the show, and she just said, like, in this little old lady voice, I love Jesus. And then it was like a pause, and she's like, I cuss a little. And it was just mm. like everybody just laughed, and they lost it. And there was something almost kind of sweetly disarming about the way she said that, as if, you know, and I don't know anything about her story. But here's what's really interesting. This is why I wanted to bring this up, is one of the authors of one of the books we're talking about has been known to plagiarize other authors and ideas that she'll find in other places. So she's the one who actually made that phrase really famous with a Facebook post saying, I love Jesus and I cuss a little. She didn't credit the where that started from. She just kind of took that as her own. And I'm going to bet, I don't know because I haven't seen the link, but I wouldn't be surprised if that devotional or whatever is linked to that author, where that really even mm. wasn't her original idea. Um, and it was fra- it was almost so disarming the way it first came about because it was just like, 
you just want to go disciple that old lady, right? You just yeah. would be like, <laughs> I want to just, like, I want to help you because you're so sweet and honest. And there was something almost, like, sweetly authentic about when she said it. But then when it got co-opted, branded, and sent right. out, mm-hmm. you know, that that was interesting. So, so yeah, regarding the motherhood thing, I do have a lot to say to this because there's a trend. And, boy, if you've got Christian moms listening, please, let like, let's all our Christian moms, let's get together and let's stop doing this if we're doing it and let's let, let's just think about putting our kids benefit before our own authenticity right because here's what mm. i'm seeing especially among some of these progressive christian mommy blogger type authors they refer to their children on social media like they're these monsters. They'll even call them monsters. In the name of authenticity, they're saying, oh, you know, it's I need my glass of wine because my kids are just monsters today. And everybody laughs. There's all the likes and all of this. And I just want to say, you do realize that your kid's going to grow up and be able to go backlog on all this stuff and read everything that you've said about them their whole lives, where you've used, you've propped up your kids for likes, you've propped up your kids for attention, and they're going to see that. And what, and, and it's devastating to think about mm-hmm. the impact that that's going to have on that generation. And just if there are any moms listening where you've realized maybe you've done something like that, where for a laugh or for a like, you've sort of put your kid in the bullseye of being mocked. Now, that's not to say your kid says something cute, you let people know about it, they're laughing because the kid's cute. It's not necessarily because the kid did something dumb. But I've watched moms go on and whine about their middle school daughter's hormonal meltdown. And I'm Mm. thinking that middle school's hard enough, let alone having your mom going and airing your dirty laundry Mm -hmm. for all her little friends to, to laugh at and give her a like on Facebook. I mean, so I would hope to call Christian women up to a higher standard than that. I mean, I think it's fine to laugh about how hard it is to be a mom sometimes or just some cute little funny thing your kid did. But when that turns into ma- mocking your kid or your kid being mm-hmm. the target of of really uncovering them and bringing shame upon them, I think that's an incredibly dangerous game to play. And it's so tempting because everybody just does it, right? Everybody does it on social media. But um, if you're going to sacrifice your kids on the altar of your own authenticity, you know, that's something we need to take a hard look at. And just, you know, if there are people listening who may, might go, oh, wow, maybe I've done that. You know, there there's something beautiful about turning around. It's repentance, right? I, um, early on in my kids' lives, did a couple of posts like that. And I, I got very convicted about it. I went back. I deleted those posts. I talked to my kids about it. And I even asked them, like, how much do you want to be a part of what I talk about online? And it turns out my daughter's very private. She doesn't want to be a big part of it. My son wants to stick his head into every live stream I'm ever doing. So, <laughs> you know, I think that uh, there, there's also, like, a matter of, like, my daughter says the most precious, wonderful, deeply insightful things. But I'm— but I don't talk about it because she doesn't want me to. I tell mm-hmm. a few stories about her in my upcoming book. She's read all of them and approved those. But it's just some things to think about that, you know, authenticity has almost been glorified above just doing the right thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very good point. Authenticity is not everything. Holiness is That's everything. Right. Yes, it's, ho- it's about holiness, right? Because it's just like in that last slide. We want to orient ourselves toward Christ and become more and more like Christ every day. So the question is, would Jesus post that on social media? Is that something that would be edifying for the church, for, for him to put? In, and is it 
edifying for your family and for the church for you to put that? And I think that's a question I'm always wrestling in that tension to try to be engaging and let people have a picture into my life because I know that there's a personal connection that if somebody feels connected with you, they might you might have a better chance of them hearing out you out on what you have to say. But also, um, the Lord just doesn't let me say everything I think on social media. I've thought mm. many times if my inner monologue had a Twitter account, I could probably oh, no. get a lot of followers because I come up with some real zingers, right? But the yeah. Lord just doesn't let me do it because yeah. it's not just about me being authentic. It's about Him being glorified and honored and His holiness being on display. That's Amen. right. That's right. All right. So we have one more. Uh, the fifth lie that we want to talk about that Christian women are often tempted to believe is this, speak your truth. Mm. And to be clear, we're not saying that it's sinful to share the truth of what has happened to you or those things in your life that have been hard. We're talking about your truth, meaning truth is relative and all points of view are equally valid. So, Alyssa, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, because even to to piggyback on what you just said there, sometimes speak your truth is used in relation to people sharing, you know, if they've been abused or something like Mm -hmm. this. But an even better way to word that is speak the truth about what happened because mm-hmm. your truth doesn't actually exist. That's just implying it's just your opinion. Like maybe this is just the way you see it. No, there is a truth about what happened in a particular situation. And I would encourage women speak the truth about that because it is the truth. It's not just true for you. It's true for everybody if something of that nature happened. And so I think even for mm. abuse victims, it's it's even more important to be thinking this way. Uh, and so the way I frame it in, in my book, Another Gospel, is— um, my truth, your truth does not exist. It's not a real thing. There's no such thing as my truth. There's only the truth. And here's what I mean by that. If uh, When I was researching for another gospel, I googled the health benefits of pork just to see what would come up. And so all these different articles came up. I learned that hundreds of thousands of tons of pork are consumed each year. Uh, it's actually got a um, I think an even mix of all the amino acids, so it's a perfect protein in that sense. Um, It's gluten-free. I also learned from some (laughs) websites that it cures adult disease. I don't know what that is, but they said it cures it. There (laughs) was an article claiming it will give you glowing skin and detox your body of heavy metals. Well, obviously, we all know that some of that's true and some of that's not true. Right, Mm -hmm. But if I just say, well, my truth is that pork is going to give me glowing skin and detox my body of heavy metals, um, there's a way to test that. If I just (laughs) eat pork, something will happen to my body. It will have an effect in objective reality on my heart health, my blood, my thighs, whatever. You know, and so (laughs) pork either affects those things or it doesn't. But there's no my truth. It doesn't matter what I think about it. My mind can think that pork is the new kale, you know, just pile it in a bowl and call it a gluten-free salad. But the (laughs) results of me eating that are going to bear out in reality. So it doesn't matter what I believe about it. And so that's what I mean. There's no my truth when it comes to pork. And there's really no my truth anyway. Because even if, like, think about this statement. If I say chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream. Now, let's say you say it's butter pecan. So you say butter pecan is the best ice cream. Well, how do we, is my truth just that chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream and your truth is that butter pecan is the best ice cream? Well, that would be a claim we've both made about reality, but who decides between us about what is true about what the best flavor of ice cream is? And it's getting a little bit out there, but stay with me because this is kind of important. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Well, that's because that claim we've just made is not in the realm of objective truth. That's what we would say is a claim that is subjective, right? It's based on the subject, me, what's between my ears and what's between your ears, not in objective reality. So it's really just an opinion. It's what we would call a preference or an opinion. It's not a matter of the truth. There is no the truth when it comes to what the best flavor is ice cream. Um, But even so, I always like to point out, even... We can find objective truth in this because if I say chocolate ice cream is the best ice cream, it still is true in objective reality to everyone else and myself that that's what I think. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. there's still objective truth about it. Um, But we just haven't been trained to think this way. I think that we've really lost the sense of critical thinking. People don't take critical thinking classes anymore. They don't take logic classes. They're not really able to spot fallacies of of logic. And... um, I, I think we need to get back to that. We need to teach our kids to think critically. And one of them, it's great for moms. You have a gajillion opportunities a day to teach your kids logic, right? Um, I will say there was a young person in my life who said, um, mom, words are just made up. They don't, okay, I just gave away who it was. <laughs> I was trying to protect. It was one of my children, I will say, who will probably never hear this, so it'll be okay. But but she's, okay, I've given it away. She's so reasonable, though. She's so easy to reason with. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I've already gone there. So here's what she said. She said, um, words are just made up. You know, Spider-Man said that. He said, all words are made up. So they don't really have meanings. It's just like people just, none of it means anything. And I said, oh, okay, wow. Well, what I just heard you say is that you're going to come home from school and do all the dishes and clean the kitchen. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Like, thank you. And she was like, wait, what? And I said, well, if words are just made up and it's like, then then I'm free to interpret what you just said any way I want, right? So thank you. I, I really need those dishes done. Thanks. I'll, I'll see you after school. And she was like, <laughs> and she saw it, you know. But That's I think awesome. like exposing those sort of logical fallacies with our kids in a fun way. Like if a kid Mm -hmm. says, um, I am enough, mom, uh, then maybe Mm. find something you know they can't do. Like, oh, good, because I got, a, a, you know, there's something stuck under the car tire. Can you just go lift up the car and get that for me? (laughs) And, oh, wait, you're not enough. You can't do that on your own? Oh, okay. You know, there's fun ways we can do that Mm -hmm. and just be engaging our kids. Um, We talk about this a lot in the Mama Bear Apologetics book, actually. So if your listeners are familiar with that, definitely pick that up when it comes to the logic stuff. We give a lot of practical tips Mm -hmm. on how to interact with our kids on this stuff. Well, and since I saw you speak late last year, I've read the Mama Bear Apologetics. I listened to your book, Another Gospel, which I told our listeners they should do because you sing on it, which I absolutely yeah. love. <laughs> I've, I've binged your podcast and I've been trolling your Instagram and Facebook and that's not creepy at all, right? So, nice. But I, <laughs> I've, I've heard you say several times why relativism fails logically. So share that with us real quick. Yeah, so for anyone unfamiliar with what relativism is, it's just a definition of the nature of truth that would say um, lots of different things can be true at the same time, even if they contradict each other. And so it's really what I just, what I see, you know, it's relative Mm. to my perspective. So I might have a perspective on something and that's true for me. You might have a different perspective on it and that's true for you. There's lots of reasons why this fails. Number one, if, if like, let's take this, uh, I'm looking into a camera right now. Now let's say somebody comes behind the camera and they say, well, my perspective, what 
I see is not a camera. I see a box that's flat on the back and it's black. And then I say, well, I'm looking right into a camera lens. So I'm seeing a circle. I'm seeing a lens. Now, is 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 that true for him and this is just true for me? Well, no, we're, we're offering perspectives based on something that's fixed in reality. The camera mm. is there. It doesn't matter how much of it I'm able to see. It doesn't matter how much of it he's able to see. It's still a camera. And so just because he can't see the whole thing doesn't mean it's not a camera. And just because I can't see the back of it doesn't mean it doesn't have a back. Right, so our perspectives aren't always complete. And that's why we, when we talk about the nature of truth, truth is not dependent upon your perspective. It's not dependent upon, um, you know, um, it's true for all people of all times and all cultures. Like it's true that I'm looking into a camera. That's true for everybody in the world right now. That is, that is true, mm. I'm looking into a camera. Um, and so if there's two propositions that contradict each other, this violates what we call the law of non-contradiction, which basically just means two things, uh, two contradictory statements can't both be true at the same time in the same sense. So that mm. can't be a camera and not be a camera at the same time. I mean, this is stuff that's really just common sense stuff for a lot of people. They've just never heard it really articulated and parsed mm -hmm. out like that. Right. But I think it's important for us to think this way because it's so easy to slide into that relativistic way of thinking. And, you know, I, my pastor told this story last week, and I've told similar stories, but I liked his because he actually had the guts to do this. But he was sitting with a guy in a coffee shop. This is a practical way to refute relativism. And if you're bold enough to try this, you know, go for it. It. But he was talking with a guy in a coffee shop. This was a friend, somebody he knew, had some trust with. And they were arguing over relativism. His friend was saying, no, truth is relative. Morals are relative. It's really like what I think is moral is, you know, we're not, nobody has the right to say this is moral and that's not moral. And so my, my pastor went, awesome. And he grabbed the guy's wallet that was sitting on top of the table and put it in his own pocket. And his friend was like, wait, what are you doing? And he goes, it's relative, right? I'm bigger than you. Yeah. I'm stronger <laughs> than you. So I'm just going to, this is mine, right? That's my mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. And the guy had to be like, all right, you know, yeah, because obviously this guy's going to say, that's what, that's not right. That's not fair. That's mm. unjust. We all know that justice and truth and all of these things are objective realities. We just want to wiggle around them when we want to do what we want to do. So I thought that was a really good practical example. Just you know, he took the guy's wallet and put it in his pocket. He gave it back, of course. But I it was love make, that. Made a great <laughs> yep. point. Very good point. The pickpocket pastor. I love the it. The pickpocket pastor. <laughs> now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Elisa. My quick tip would have to do with how to have gospel conversations with our kids and how to provoke those conversations, because often it can be difficult to get the whole family together to say, hey, let's do devotions. Although we should do that, do that. But you have so many opportunities throughout the day to engage your kids' questions about faith and establish yourself as the Google for your kids. And so one way mm. to do that is just maybe on the way to school, make, make the drive to school screen-free. Let there be space. Let there be boredom. Let there be quiet. And the questions will start. You can actually start it off by asking your kids, hey, what's your biggest question about God? I'm just curious. And then mm. purpose in your heart that you're going to let them ask the question. You're going to take a deep breath. And you're not going to try to solve it for them right in that moment. You're going to say, great question. Let's think more about that. And then maybe engage your kid with some questions to try to get them thinking because we're living in a time 
where this generation has to come to it on their own. They, they have to, to resolve these things for themselves. So that would be my quick tip. I hope that was quick enough. I yep. love that. It was. Perfect. <laughs> love it. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubber.com slash quick tips to submit those. Alisa, where can our listeners go to learn more about you? Everything will be linked at alisachilders.com. I'm on YouTube, Alisa Childers, search my name. I'm on audio platforms, the Alisa Childers podcast. And of course, I'm, I'm blogging right now, my biblical insights. I'm studying the book of Hosea right now, but I'm going to start blogging through all the books of the Bible that I'm reading and studying. So you can follow along on the blog there at alisachilders.com. Awesome. We really appreciate you taking time to be on the show with us today and to share what God has laid on your heart to teach all of us. So can you please just leave us with one final word of encouragement? Yeah, I just want to encourage all you moms out there. You have been chosen by God to raise kids in just a time as this. It can feel overwhelming. It seems like the world is going crazy. But just know that God handpicked you to be a mom right now. And so take courage in that. Know that the eternal truths of the gospel have always been true. They always will be true. If you model the beauty of the gospel in front of your kids, if you live a life that's consistent and faithful, and that doesn't mean always perfect, but that's where you can model repentance. If we live our lives that way, then, you know, our kids have free will. They're going to choose what, they, what they're going to do, and they're in God's hands. But I think that we should not shy away from teaching them the truths of God's words because that's where they're going to find freedom and hope, and ultimately, that's where they're going to find salvation. Mm, amen. so much, Elisa and Ginger. And thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, could you leave us a rating or a review? This is the best way for us to get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubber.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode, including Elisa's resources. Also on gingerhubber.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and it addresses topics like how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. So the digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs, and if you enter the code parenting at gingerhepper.com, you can get 10% off. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Speaking of encouragement, Ginger is now offering live stream presentations for MOPS, which is Mothers of Preschoolers and other moms groups. So for more information, have your group coordinator fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God.